This is Pastor Mike Whitlock, and I want to thank all of the people at Anchor who have given me the opportunity to reach out to an audience that I otherwise would never be able to reach. This has really been a pleasure and a learning experience. And as I am just getting started, this has really been a pleasure. Thank you. Howdy, dear friends. It's 5 p.m. out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's beautiful outside. I mean, just beautiful. Sunny, great temperature, a little bit of a wind, but nothing extreme. Awesome. This is Senior Pastor with the Nazarene Ministry, Michael Whitlock. Not to be confused with one of my brothers and uh, see, last count, I had seven brothers. Uh, several have gone on to be with the Lord, but I still have a few left. Praise the Lord God Almighty. I've lost uh, two brothers, so I have five left. Wow, that's quite a number. Anyway, I am so glad that we had this chance to go through the book of Matthew, which is a very, one of the very long books in what people call the New Testament. It's actually called the scriptures. But anyway, the point being, we're working on chapter nine, working on chapter nine. So this is Matthew chapter nine. Dear Heavenly Father, please lead us, speak through us, open our eyes, ears, hearts to the truth of this word and the mysteries of this word. For your son promised us that all mysteries would be revealed to his top ones. Lord, Heavenly Father, God Almighty, we want to thank you for this day. This day has been one blessing after another, and I want to thank you for it. I thank you, Father, for all the coming donations and all the coming prayers and all the offerings and all the new flock members that you're sending our way. Thank you from the deepest part of my heart, sacred Yahovah. Well, this is Senior Pastor, and if you need to get a hold of me, just call me at 702-773-8159. And let's say amen and get started on Matthew chapter 9. Now this is a really good one and a very interesting one. So read along with me. Now you're probably reading from a King James or an Amplified Bible or New International Version. You might be reading from the Latin Vulgate uh, Catholic Bible. You might be reading from... Um, one of the other Bibles that are out there. Here's the point. This translation I'm reading you is the Hebrew. And it is very, 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 very important translation. It's very direct to the point and very historical at the same time. Now, here we go. And entering into a boat, he passed over and came to his own city. And see, they were bringing to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Yahushua, seeing their belief, and said to the paralytic, 
Take courage, son, your sins have been forgiven. Now, this is a key verse because it tells us if we truly want healing, what is the pattern of our Lord? He repented these people. He forgave them of their sin. So when you're calling out for healing in the privacy of your prayer room, wherever it may be, confess first. I confess, Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that I have sinned. Take away all bitterness and unforgiveness and help me to forgive all of those you would have me forgive, which is everyone that's ever hurt you, insulted you, upset you in any way. Forgive me of any and all sins that I've done before your holy and sacred throne, my Holy Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now in your holy blood, which washes me white as snow, I ask. Now Matthew 7, 7, 8 will work for you. Ask and you shall receive. And it's very simple. A lot of people, they come to the Father God and they're caught up into needing healing and they forget you need to be forgiven all right now we go on and we read and see some of the scribes said to themselves this one blasphemes and Yahushua knowing their thoughts said knowing their thoughts notice he it's not saying that he heard them say it They whispered it and he heard them say it. He knew their thoughts. Why do you think wicked thoughts in your hearts? Now it also re-identifies in a parallelism the word thoughts. In other words, they didn't say this. He knew it. For which is easier to say? Your sins have been forgiven or to say arise and Now, you know, there have been times when I have prayed for people. Let me segue very uh, carefully and quickly because this is important to talk about. There have been people that I have prayed for and I've looked at them and said, are you sorry for your sins? And they say, yes. And I tell people all the time, you do not need to confess your sins in detail to me. In fact, all you need to say to me is, Pastor, would you forgive me? I'm a sinner. Now, in the office, the ordination that I have, I've been given the power of the authority by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to forgive sin in place of Yahushua Messiah. Am I the Messiah? No, 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 no. I'm a man. I am his top one. I am given power and authority by him. Don't confuse me. I am not the Messiah. Don't confuse me with the Messiah. It is the Messiah who forgives you. I'm his representative, his emissary, his apostle here on earth to say out loud over you, your sins are forgiven. The evil and guilt that you have felt is resolved and over. Now, what else do you need me to pray for you? Now, we're in clean and holy relationship before the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. And whatever it is we're asking now, 
They are quick to hear and to answer. Whether it's healing, prosperity, whatever it may be. So this is the hardest thing for people when they ask for prosperity. I ask them, have you broken the laws of tithing and offering? Some even, some, many people who ask me to pray for them for prosperity, they do not know that they're supposed to tithe and offer. That means give a tenth of your income and to offer beyond that. I know you've heard me say it before, but it bears repeating. If you offer to this ministry because you are not a designated member of my flock, yes, offer to this ministry. And I will pray for you. And even if you don't offer, I will pray for you and pray with you. But understand, it's the church that you belong to that you are supposed to tithe 10% of your income. Now, notice the Holy Word of God says 10% of your income. So I've been asked this question over and over again, and I theologically will argue this with anyone. I don't care what PhDs they have or what. Are you to tithe an offer on the gross? No, the Holy Word of God is very literal about this. What gets put in your hands is what you tithe an offer on. So let's say you work for somebody and you've got to pay them, uh, you know, taxes and or some handling fee of some kind or whatever. And the gross of what you earned was $300. But what you get put in your hands is, let's say, $235. Our ministry teaches our flock that you tithe an offer off of the $235, not the $300 that you worked for. Because you didn't get it. Who got it? It might have been the federal government. It might have been uh, a manager or booking agent or whoever who got some piece of that and it's not yours. And it's their responsibility to tithe an offer on the amount they got. But you didn't get it. So my answer to you is, and I forgive all the ministries that have taught replacement with theology to get more money out of you. You tithe an offer on what you get. So that would be in modern day terms, net. If you're being paid a standard uh, paycheck and what you get into your hands is $150 and you worked and earned a gross of $200, you tithe an offer on that. Now, I've also been asked and the question has come up, well, what about the money I save or put into my 401k plan or retirement plan, whatever it may be? Yes, you tithe an offer on that as well. All right, now, so we're reading from verse 5. For which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven, or to say, arise and walk? But in order for you to know that the son of Adam possesses authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, I am indirectly a son of Adam. We all are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. 
I make that point clear to you because the body of Messiah, the RNA, DNA, stem cells, all of the makeup of the body of our Messiah comes from Miriam, Mary in English. Her bloodline can be traced back to Adam and Eve, fulfilling the prophecy that the Father God Almighty himself said that from the womb of Eve, the Messiah would come. And that's why he keeps repeating over and over again, because the Hebrews would have known this when he says he's the son of Adam, he's the Messiah, prophesied by the Father. He then said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he rose and he went to his house. And when the crowd saw it, they marveled and praised Elohim, who had given such authority to men. They praised Elohim, who has given such authority to men. So, because of the blood sacrifice of Yahushua Messiah, that authority from the Father through the Son to me gives me the authority to heal people, pray for them, forgive their sins, etc. And as Yahushua passed on from there, he saw a man called Matahayu sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Can you imagine the Messiah himself looking you straight in the eyes and saying, follow me. There's no way you or I or anyone that he directly looked at like that could possibly resist. And it came to be as Yahushua sat at the table in the house that see many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his top ones. So he's now in the house of Matthew, a tax collector who, lo and behold, is going to retire from tax collection and follow him, period. But of course, the only friends that Matthew had were other tax collectors because general public, the Israelite people, hated the tax collectors because they were Hebrew Israelites who roamed either forced and or seduced into tax collection. And how'd they seduce them? Greed, money, power, authority. Now he's at the home of Matthew and let's read on. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his taught ones, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Yahushua heard, hearing this, said to them, 
those who are strong and have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not offering, for I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. It's you and I, friends. So don't let anyone tell you that you don't deserve salvation. You do. Then the top ones of Yohanan came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your top ones do not fast? And Yehoshua said to them, Are they the friends of the bridegroom? He is the bridegroom. And Yehoshua said to them, Are the friends of the bridegroom able to mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the day shall come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they shall fast. It was a common practice in the time of our Lord and before Mourning by the Israels were, was accomp uh, accompanied by fasting. And no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Neither do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins burst. And the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. They put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. This is a tough parable that a lot of people have a lot of questions about. So let's go from, I'm going to read, I'm going to go through it with you, kind of backing up. If, you, if you'll just kind of work with me here. First of all, the last line of that verse says, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. What is our Messiah talking about right here? Well, literally and physically, he's talking about what all farmers or wine producers or dressers would know. He's giving them a correlation and he's giving them also a parallelism. Now, what are the wineskins? The wineskins, okay, represent, think about the wineskins as representing the congregational temple or the congregational church where the people, all the members would gather. Now, think about the new wine these are all the people who have been saved by the blood of our Lord and Savior who are put into the new wine skins the new skins the new congregation and the new wine 
Now he renewed the covenant of Passover when he said, take drink, this is my blood. What did he serve? Wine. It was a common practice in those days for them to mix wine and water together so that they could purify the water because they didn't have purification chemicals and or filtration systems at that time. So Yeshua Messiah is talking about you don't take these brand new saved people and put them back in the old ways and expect that to work. It's not going to work. You and I who are newly saved, we come into a renewed and new covenant. Now, I know that sounds like something very paradoxical, but it's not. A renewed and new covenant. Now, why do I say renewed? Because there are many things from what would have been called the old covenant that we as the new followers of Messiah are now grafted into the wild olive leaf branch of the tribe of Jacob and we are to utilize the laws of the Father God Almighty as our guideline. The curse of the law has been lifted from us, thank God Almighty in his mercy, grace and favor. So the dispensation of grace by the sacrifice of our Messiah has taken away the curse of the law, but it did not take away the law. Read Matthew 5. Now, knowing that, there are certain commandments that never change. One being, the Father God Almighty, through Moses to us, said, all generations will celebrate or practice Passover. And we, when we go to heaven and sit down at the, the Lamb's supper table, what will we be celebrating? Passover. So there are commanded holidays or certain three major holidays that we are commanded to celebrate. Whether we were born into a Hebrew family, an Israelite family, or not. And when we come into the covenant with, because of the blood sacrifice of Messiah, we are now going to celebrate these holidays. But we are not to celebrate and or participate in the traditions of man that the Levitical priesthood, the Sadducees and Pharisees made up. Because they're not from God. That's what he's talking about in this verse. Now, let me re-look at it and read it to you. And no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. So you're not going to take us and put us in to their 613 laws and all the old traditions of the Israelite people and expect that we're not going to tear away from that. We would. We would tear away from that. We are not 
of those old traditional practices. Neither do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins burst and the wine is spilled and the wine skins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins and both are preserved. Now let's read on. While he was saying all this to them, see, a ruler came and bowed down to him, saying, My daughter is dead by now, but come and lay your hand on her, and she shall live. And Yeshua rose and followed him, his top ones too, and see a woman who had a flow of blood for twelve years came from behind and touched the zitzit of his garment. That would have been his prayer cloth. And at the bottom of the prayer cloth are the knotted strings and or they're not really ropes. They're more like strings, which represent the name of the Father God Almighty and the 613 commandments of God. And they call them zitzits. Okay. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I shall be healed. But Yahushua turned, and when he saw her, said, Take courage, daughter, your belief has healed you. And the woman was healed from that hour. She prophesied her own healing by simply saying, All I need to do is touch his garment. Because she believed he was the Messiah and had the power. And that power was so radiant from him, it carried in his clothing by his word or touch, she would be healed. And when Yeshua came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a noise, he said to them, Go back, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Now, there's been so many theological arguments about this particular verse. She was dead. Some argue she was in a coma. I personally, not being there and seeing it with my own eyes, believe that most likely he's telling the literal truth. She's not dead, but she's asleep. But in those days, they had no word for coma. She was in a coma, but appeared dead. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And this report went on into all that land. Now we read on. And as Yeshua passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, that's Hebrew for David, have compassion on us. And when he came into the house, the blind men came to him, and Yahushua said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yea, Master. So obviously they're answering yes. And they believe in him. There's the key. We come to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with belief in our hearts that they can do it. Now it gets done. 
Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your belief, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Yahushua strictly ordered them, saying, See, let no one know. But when they went out, they made him known in all that land. And as they were going out, see, they brought to him a man dumb and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the dumb one spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he cast out demons by the ruler of demons. And Yahushua went about all the cities and villages teaching in their congregations, or some translations will say synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the reign, your translation probably says kingdom, the reign and healing, and healing every disease and every bodily weakness among the people. Reign is actually a better word because a king or kingdom has a king who rules and reigns. In other words, taking action in his kingdom. And that's what that translation is meant to be. And having seen the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered as sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his top ones, the harvest truly is great, but the workers are few. In other words, all out there who need saved, we all become those workers who share the good news of the gospel with those who need saved. Pray then that the master of the harvest would send out workers to his harvest. My master, Yeshua Messiah, has sent me out as a worker to help bring back and save people, bring them back into harvest. And that's the end of chapter 9. Blessed Father God Almighty, I pray sincerely that all those who heard this broadcast are blessed by it. And I pray, Holy Father, that if any of them need prayer for healing, or any other issue they're facing in life, please have them call 702-773-8159. We love you, friends. This is the senior pastor of Beth Nazarene. That means the house of the Nazarene, the Nazarene ministry. Please call us. We're here for you. Amen. <laughs>